that kind of like my missus actually. I was gonna say you do know this is recording. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Hello and welcome to our first game preview of Euro 2020 as part of What The Fork podcast. It's literally days away from England's first game at the Euros as we face Croatia at Wembley this weekend. And we could have all earned ourselves a bit of a rest. Um, we probably should have done, but we've decided that football podcasts are not podcasts, podcasts even, um, are not just for the, the season, they're also for the summer and the better all year round. So today we will be previewing England's opening game and Joining myself today is two guests who probably should have had a bit of time off, like myself, and they both fit into the category of we didn't want to go up and get promoted anyway. First up, England and Sunderland fan. I don't think I've ever introduced you as that, but uh, fellow contributor to What the Fork, Connor, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, mate, just tripping over my words in the intro, but like, what's new? What's new, mate? What's new? Um, get the pubs open, then I'll be bothered. How exciting is I can actually sit indoors in a pub? Oh. Indoors, like, do you do you think you could ever see the day coming? I give it three weeks, mate. I give it three weeks. Yeah, um, obviously, alongside that, join myself as, as another guest who everyone's been asking to bring him back on. Um, sadly, his team, like I said before, didn't get promoted like ourselves, so I haven't had the chance to bring him on. So, first opportunity I've got to have done. Um, so for the listeners, I'll be pleased to hear Matt from This Is Tramere is, is back previewing another Wembley game under very dis- different circumstances. How are you, mate? Though, you all right? Yeah, good. And like you say, we, we don't want to get promoted. Neither do you. You don't want to be in that stupid championship and we don't want to be in that stupid League One. You, you can represent us in League One. And you did us proud in the playoffs by losing, which is what we did as well. Because both <laughs> of us do best. Oh, do you know what? We're both brilliant. I think people say inconsistent. We're not. We know what we're doing. When it comes to losing big games, we know what we're doing. And that was why when we played in the final, it was like, finally, there, there must be a winner here. And that, that's what it took for you to finally win at Wembley was to meet a fellow bottle merchant like us great wasn't it great to see wish we could do it every season like but <laughs> well, let's make it let's have a friendly at Wembley every year not in Trenton Park I'm used to getting beaten there back in the day mate as we've discussed we were yeah we it's insane I reckon can we play you every week <laughs> at Trenton Park um we'll start from the top last time England played in a major tournament it was uh Against Croatia unfortunately not not the greatest day uh Croatia took to be honest I said at the time, I'll say it now, with hindsight of a couple of years, well-deserved, painful as it was. But, um, but Connor, what, what are your memories of the last game between us two? Obviously, the, the World Cup semi-final, because as much as the result wasn't great, it was just nice to be there for once, I think. It seems like so long back now, but what I can remember from the day was that we just looked absolutely shattered. Like We still had a hangover from the Columbia game, which was obviously one of the best memories as an England fan, which tells you all about how successful England's been over the years, where memories was of winning a, pen, a penalty shootout against Colombia. And that's about where peak for us, well, in my lifetime, definitely. It was enjoyable seeing, I remember James celebrating wildly when Colombia equalised in the last minute and then seeing his sad little, like p- pretty much perfect face, being really, really disappointed when Jordan Pickford decided to do the most non-England thing ever and save a couple of penalties. Now, of course, teammates. I wonder if that's ever come up in discussion. Actually, that's a good point. I'll ask him if I ever get hammers on the podcast, which is doubtful, but who knows? Um, Matt, what, what about yourself? Obviously, it was a it was a great tournament. The last one, the World Cup, it was kind of unexpectedly great. I don't think we expected to get that far, and then we got far, and we started to believe. And but the day was great. Just 
disappointing result. But what, what are your memories of sort of the tournament? I guess. I think it's it's probably everyone remembers it now. It's it's in folklore as the best tournament we've had since Euro '96, and that the similarities between the two were all we need really to enjoy a tournament as England fans as a country is we want decent weather, and we had that for both, and decent performances. And you look back at Euro '96. And people think that we were brilliant, but we didn't play that well at any point. The Holland game, we played really well, obviously. I think we, our best performance was actually the Germany game that we did deserve to win. Mm. And the same in 2018. But some people still go, oh, like the, the anti-England fans, They're the Scouts Not English brigade that we have around here as well. <laughs> I don't even support them. Me, do I? I'm the Liverpool fan. And they, they were very much going, all you did was... you. Laboured to a win against Tunisia. You beat Panama 6-0. Got beat by Belgium twice. You beat Colombia on penalties and Sweden and lost Croatia. It was like, well, I'm sorry we didn't pick our, you know, you don't, you don't choose who you play, do you? You beat, it was a weird World Cup, wasn't it? But it was just such a great summer, wasn't it? And the last time that, I think it, the country at the time needed it too, didn't it? The way that the country yeah. came together. And it's one of those great ways where you look at what football does. It, it can just unite people. And unite a country together, and like you say, winning the penalty shootout, like just doesn't happen, does it? England, Sunderland, and Tramia fans, we don't really get many penalty shootout victories. Not when it's our former goalkeeper and our former prodigy that actually ends up like saving course, it as well. Yeah. That was even better. It was like, ah, we've been saying this for years, and normally it doesn't come true. But but Connor, you, you're going to add something there when you're not on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm like a dinosaur with technology still. Um, that's a, that's another conversation that we had though, because a lot of what we have said this season, since we can't get in as fans and we're watching the, like the matches on a stream. I'm talking about like with club football here. The, the, going to the matches about the experience, isn't it? It's about having the banter and the laugh, and you would say the same thing with watching the Euros or the World Cup. It's all about going to a beer garden with your friends and watching the football, and that's what it's all about. Is exactly what Matt just says, and it's about good weather, good friends, and a lot of drink. And yeah. that's what football is. It's not about could we well, let's be honest, Tranmere and Sutherland haven't really got a huge history of being successful at the minute, have we? So no. It's all about experience. <laughs> what, what what keeps we going, what keeps we enjoyment going, and that's exactly it. It's it's the experience. It's a weird one for me because obviously I live literally like if I got out here and sprinted a bit, I'd be at Hamden Park in 30 seconds. Um, which I think I've mentioned before, but obviously we've got a few games there. I think Scotland, if they qualify and get through the last 16, have got a chance of playing there. They've got their two, in brackets, home games, um, both at hand. And it's weird having the, the tournament here and we've got the fan zones and stuff here, which of course have created hullabaloo because we can't enjoy ourselves anymore. Um, but I suppose that there's even more for me because obviously I'm English. I'll not deny that, but I'd really like to see Scotland do well because I've been here for 10 years and I've been in more Scotland games than England games. Um but I suppose my, my abiding memory, just to go back a little bit, was a lot of what Matt was saying about World Cup uh, 2018. Like, mainly Scotland fans give me banter, which you're going to get, which I don't mind. It's part and parcel of football. But when we got the, like, the semis and just everyone, while well, working in the call centre at the time, and everyone in the call centre going, what if they do do it, though? What if football <laughs> actually does, like, what we're going to do? And it was seen the sheer panic was great. And I think the Croatia celebrations that they had, weren't yeah England got beat it was just sheer relief um but but tournament memories you know I'm, I'm old enough now to have a few good ones like I, I vaguely 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 remember my dad being very happy when I was about five year old when we got to Italia 90 
uh, which is not often, to be honest with my dad. Uh, U96 was obviously my pump. Um, 2018, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, but great memories, you know, following England mixed with some pretty awful ones. But, but Matt, what's your like best ever tournament memory um, from England? I was thinking about this last night. I went on YouTube and watched the do you know, these people who edit together every goal in HD English comms bracket um, <laughs> of 2018. 20, I was like, how was 2018? Because it really was. It did feel just like it was a really good World Cup in general because I think we all was. went into it with you know, being in Russia thinking, God, that Russia's not a place for a World Cup. But the weather seemed good over there. Everyone who went, and obviously Russia got to the semifinals or the quarterfinals quarter yeah, by, yeah. by Croatia. Um, I do love Euro 96, but I was a little bit too... I was 11. I was in year six in Euro 96. Same age as me. Yeah, France 98 for me. I, I love Italia 90, even though I've, I, I can remember five or six games. I was five, same age as you, um, for Italia 90. And it's like you say, because I don't remember it properly, it's almost got this mythical thing. And I love the... What, what's his name? The, the Italia 90 man. The, 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 oh, the mascot. What, what was he called? Oh, he's like the running man, isn't he? He's the little... Oh, just the most iconic. I've got a T-shirt with him on. I got off Red Bull years ago. I'm like, I don't know if you've been to the Football Museum in Manchester. They've got yeah. the actual massive, like, eight-foot version. I was like, how can I steal that from here? Like, there's got to be a way. Oh, it's amazing. But I th France 98, I think, is my favourite tournament. And in terms of... It's weird because we... You know, we didn't do very well in that went out. Again, it was glorious failure, wasn't it? But that Argentina yeah. game... I remember watching it and it was, and like you say, in the way it brings people, like as you're, once you're older, it's all about going to a beer garden and like Connor said, and, you know, coming together with your friends and the England thing, you get together with friends that you might not go to your Sunderland or Tramway games with, don't you? It brings together mm -hmm. all, it doesn't matter who your friends are, you know, um, you might have Newcastle fans or Midland fans, <laughs> um, and we go, you know, <laughs> Liverpool, Everton fans, <laughs> um, and you all go to the pub and congregate to watch, England in a major tournament. And the, but then when I was in, I would have been 13, I think 12, 13 and 98, it was sitting in the front room with me mum, my dad, and my brother. And we all sat there and it was just like, you can't write the drama like that. There was the two early goals, wasn't it? And then Beckham gets sent off. It's two all at half time. You know, we have the Campbell goal disallowed. We lose oh. on penalties. Obviously the iconic commentary moment, it was um, Kevin Keegan on co-commentary with, um, Brian Moore, my favourite ever commentator, and David Batty steps up and goes, Kevin, in a w one word, is David Batty going to score? Yes. No. And um, You just knew you know, when he said that, it was like... Oh, of course. It was a bad question, wasn't it? Because he can't say no. So if he says no and he misses, he's right, but you don't want to be right, do you? And <laughs> did we know he was going to be the next next England manager. But yeah, France 98 and that Argentina game, almost until last summer, and even eventually, you know, it, it was what we do best is glorious failure. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And um, yeah, but I just love, I just love a World Cup. I just love a European Championship. And I've always felt that European Championships are slightly harder to win because I think the quality is there more. I know they've expanded it now with this. And, you know, you've got like North Macedonia and some other weaker sides. But eight extra teams, I think, are in this now, aren't they? Yeah. I think it's eight. Like yeah. Um, it's 24 instead of uh, 16. But, uh, and the only negative for me, and I know it's great that, it's at Wembley and stuff and each team, but I, I do think they need to revert back to it is in one country. Because the whole I, I don't I've never been done with a pair of you, but I've always had that thing. I've always wanted to go to a tournament. Yeah, same. And I was nearly gonna go to Euro 2016, like because it was in France, you know, it was an e the easiest one you're ever gonna get. 
And I wish they would revert back to that because as much as this is good, yeah, we've got games at Wembley and they've got games at Hamden and vice versa. I wish it was. It should just be in one country. So the plan is if you're going, not that you can now, but you know, it would be you go and you normally try and do a, some people do the whole tournament and you drive around, or even if you just go for a week and you try and get to, you know, one England game and then you get tickets to Switzerland versus Austria or something like that. I think it's like you get the um it's a nice idea in principle. I was like, oh, it's a nice idea that it, it seems like a good idea to have it, but then COVID hit and it was like not just in normal terms, you think ah, it's probably better in one country. It yeah. also comes on top of that. You kind of go, well, that's not a good idea to have everyone traveling right, left and center. It's like if England finish like second or, or something or third, we could end up going to like playing Bucharest before returning back to Wembley. It's just a bit. Yeah. It seems weird. Doesn't it? Pointless almost. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like next year, it's like, for example, um, is the, the women's Euros is next year. And I've already, the tickets go on sale, I think next month. Really good price, all in all in England, and I've already started like mapping out exactly where it is that I'm going to go, and it's and it's perfect for stuff like that. I love it. But um, Connor, I'll just come back to you. Obviously, um, there's been a lot of healthy and really positive debate about England squad, who should play, where they should go. Like, obviously, I think the preview podcast we had the discussion about the four right backs. That's obviously changed, but it felt like we, at one point we all just went hang on a minute, we're discussing which of the four like potentially world-class right-backs should play. Like That's brilliant. But we discussed it this morning, obviously, um, via the medium of, of Twitter messages, England side and stuff like that, and, and what we could potentially play and, and put out. And yeah. I think no matter which team you put out, you kind of go, yeah, I'm all right with that, but you've all got your own, own opinions. But um, I'll change the question a little bit. Who do you think England's key player is? I think it's very hard because... It's the front three behind Harry Kane that is the biggest concern for me because we've got so much depth around that part of the pitch. The rest of the pitch can essentially pick itself apart from maybe centre midfield is a bit questionable. But if I think Southgate will go for Harry Kane up top with Ford in the middle behind him and Rashford and Sterling on the wings. But then you're leaving out Jack Grealish, you're leaving out Saka, you're leaving out... Still, um, Sancho, Sterling. Well, I think you'll go with Sterling, Sterling and Rashford. There's Mount Sterling. as well, isn't there? There's yeah. Mount as well. That's what I mean. And I think that's the biggest part. That's the, that's the biggest headache for Gareth Southgate. And there, I believe the rest of the pitch essentially picks itself. Yeah, I think so. I tell, I'm not going to lie. It's really, really stupid at the age of almost 35. But I got really excited that Phil Foden dyed his hair blonde just to do a Gaza. Like I know everyone, everyone else say, "Oh, it's stupid," and I'm like, "No, nah, that's exactly the kind of spirit I want. I want them to see him do the dentist chair as well when he scores in the second game, hopefully." Well, I want them to fly to Hong Kong so they can recreate the actual <laughs> dentist chair. Like, go and go and play Hong Kong eleven like tomorrow, a few days before the start of the tournament. If you're gonna do it, do it properly. I miss the red tops and the. I miss the red top newspapers and the controversy before the uh, controversy before the World Cup before we go and all do quite well in it. Um, Sort of same question to you, Matt. Um, obviously, we've we've got an abundance of riches. I, th- I think personally, I'm most excited about Foden, and I love watching Jack Willis. He's just one of those players that I love watching. And also, when you uh, <laughs> you can see it every time he speaks to a referee and it slows down, you can hear his accent even when you can't actually hear it. It's just yeah. superb. A yam yam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and I think, in truth, though, as much as they're the ones that excite me, if Harry Kane scores goals, England tend to win games. Um, but obviously, everyone's got different opinions. Mate, who, who do you see as England's sort of key player moving into the tournament? I was thinking about this last night. I, there was an article um, I read on The Athletic 
and it was all their main people. It was the thing that happens now. They're all going to pick their what their eleven would be for the Croatia game, and it seemed to be it was a 50-50 split. It was about ten of them, and five had Grealish in, and five didn't. But for me, there's no one. Foden is incredible, and I think he is just. He'll probably go on to be our best player, but. I think Grealish is the key. I, I honestly do. And I know that it's probably hard for him to not pick. For me, Sterling's out of form. I know it's weird saying that he's just, you know, been in a team that got to a Champions League final and, and walked the Premier League. But he's not been firing all cylinders this season. And I don't think City have either. I think that they've sort of sleepwalked to the title. It was other teams being poor more than them being outstanding. Grealish, for me, is, is the key player. And I think him, Foden, and the other player there, I'm not, you know, in that in that three. I love Sancho. I watch a lot of Bundesliga and I love Sancho. But that and this is the, the thing, isn't it? That you go on paper, you'd be like, oh, you've got to get those three in. But then you go, like, say you've got Mount, who I wasn't a big fan of his a couple of years ago. But he's, you can see, you know, the managers as well that have trusted him. You know, Southgate, Tuchel, Lampard all love him, and he clearly is just a world class player now. It's it's hard, isn't it? Obviously, like you say, Kane's up there. You've got, I think that Calvert-Lewin is, is a great option to, to have if we need to, you know. Really if we need to, yeah, 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 I mean, that, that jump he did in the, in the um, Romania the game. The one he got <laughs> penalised for. <laughs> Wait, like, he basically jumps on the fella's back. His, his boot was at his head height. Is just, it, it shows the difference. He's not like a, a Peter Crouch, tall, big, tall, you know, six foot six guy. But he's got that leap of if we need a goal and we need two up top, he comes on with Harry Kane. You start putting them balls in the box, and like you say, we've got an abundance of, of fullback talent and people who can deliver a ball. I, yeah, I, I think it's that squad is a, is a very, very good squad. And I, I do think, though, for me, the main one, it, it, it is Grealish and Foden, for me, have to be in that front four. Um, if someone yeah, has to yeah. miss out, it would be Sterling for me. I agree with you because I had the exact same conversation with Graham this morning and I said that I believe Southgate will go with Rashford, Stern, and but based on just names and I think if you're going to base it on form, I would say Grealish has to be in there alongside Sancho and that's exactly what I said this morning. I was using football manager this morning with the <laughs> squad actually build but I think it would be. There's an app for that, you know, just so you know. I know, but I prefer, it gives an excuse to pay a football manager. Well, it? yes, that is true, mate. That is true. Um, I think I, I agree with both of you and Gwelish. I think I, I love Phil Foden and I think he definitely should play. But there's been a discussion about like taking the shackles off. And I see a lot of people saying taking the shackles off um, would be like putting Mason Mount in midfield or Henderson or Rice and um, having like an attacking middle two in a sense or someone more attacking in the middle two but for me I'm, I'm I'm okay with like say Rice and Henderson or something like that as long as you play Foden and Grealish for me that's taken enough of the yeah a, enough of it off I would probably go Foden right Grealish in the tenor on the left and, and Mason Mann on, on the tenor on the left are, are interchangeable it's just like it's a joke really but Grealish is just there's something old school about Grealish that I just love. He just likes getting the ball and taking people on. He's got that. People talk about Foden being Gazza and stuff. But like for me, Grealish is more of the kind of... Yeah, I was just and... thinking that myself. Forget the haircut. Like Grealish, <laughs> Grealish reminds me, it's the way he drops his shoulder and just glides past players, isn't it? When he's got that ball at his feet and it's that pace of ball at his feet and there's no, there's no one... 
do the only other player I think who gets close to what Grealish does now is Hazard a couple of years ago. And I know he's yeah. obviously he's had a couple of terrible years with injury, but Hazard is his pomp, his peak like 2014 to 2016 for Chelsea was just you were like, there's no one doing that, is there? And that's what Grealish offers for me. And you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's staying at Villa. Well, hopefully, anyway, you know, Man United might come in with a silly one because, again, that's a bit of a Gaza thing to do, isn't it? Where you go, he's not gone for that big transfer. Obviously, Gaza probably should have gone to Man U for his own sake, shouldn't he? But um, what will be, will be. But Grealish is just, it's like we keep saying it, it's crazy the, the talent we've got, the attacking talent we've got. When you look back at like World Cup, like 2010, which was just a disgrace when we had just nothing there. And in a you know, little over 10 years, it's finally, people always said that it was always that thing of in 10 years, think of the England team we'll have. There was always those, this will be the England team in 10 year articles. And then 10 years time, you'd look back and go, well, not half of them aren't even playing footy anymore. The other six are playing in, playing for Tramier and Sunderland. You used in the to lower get that so often. It was like, this is England's team in 10 years time. I remember Luke Shaw was in it from about the age of like 16. And it's only until now that he's got into the team at 27. But um, Connor, just to sort of come back to you, um, I think on paper, and the football's not played on paper, right? And I would probably disagree with this if the Scotland game was at Hamden, but Croatia's arguably the hardest game of the opening three on paper, the hardest game in the group. Is it a positive that we've got them first because we know where we're at afterwards? I think if you're going to go all the way, like I, I'm not saying we're going to win it. I know we had this conversation before. We are, um, we are going to win it. Come on. Coming I, home. Think it, I think <laughs> it's coming home. If um, we're going to stand a chance, we'll have to put them to the bears. Like, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy because they have got a good squad. But um, I don't think you'd be worried about teams like Croatia. You need to be worried about teams such as France and Germany and Spain later, later on. I think if we don't top the group, then we've probably failed, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at um, the FIFA rankings yesterday and... Czech Republic and Scotland are near the of the teams that are in the tournament near the bottom of the list. Uh, 44th Scotland, I think, and Czech Republic are 40th. And I was like, oh, I bet you Croatia there or thereabouts, but which we'll come on to. Their results have been great recently, and, and they've dropped to like 14th, where we're like fourth behind Brazil, Belgium, and France, which is probably not that bad, is it really? But oh. I was looking through Croatia's squad and, and, and Matt, they've got like, obviously Borna Barisic is someone I watch on a regular basis up in, in Glasgow and he's the second most creative player in the Scottish Premiership and he's a left back, but he's not going to play the same way for Croatia. He's not going to have that same level of um, freedom, I think, as you'll get. And, and he, he'll, they'll play in a slightly different way from what I've seen. But Barisic, Modric, Perisic, the top three names that stand out, but there is more. But it does feel like it's not as good as a side as it was. This is going to bite them in the arse, isn't it? But as it was in 2018. But England have got better. We've just discussed why. Um, do, you, do you see Croatia as like a, a team that you'd be as worried about in 2018 as, as you would be now? Or do you think kind of they could potentially be a team where we could put like a stable down on it because they're still good? But we think, could basically knock them out the knock them out the water, couldn't we? If we play potential. Yeah, I think they're a team almost coming to the end of their cycle of yeah. You know, it's their key players, isn't it? Like you say, the Modric's, the Perisic's, the you know, Mandzukic. 32, um, 35, 34. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're still wonderful footballers and they have been for you know for a decade plus. But they're at the end, and, and every team seems to have this like that great Portugal team, the Figos, you know, Ruby Costa. And I think they peaked at 
in 2018, I think they should have won that World Cup, to be honest. That the final was, they just didn't have much luck, did they, in the final? Deflections yeah. and penalties going against them. And so, yeah, they're not, I think they, didn't they end up in a playoff, I think, for, for this? I'm sure yeah, they, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Something like they that, I think, I. Yeah, or they, maybe not the playoff, but they finished second in the group. Like, and it was touch and go, and it wasn't a super strong group. They lost a so, couple of really random games. I mean, yeah, we'll, a, we'll come on up, but their last five results have not been tremendous. No, they are not this all-conquering Croatia side of, of, you know, three and five years ago. And on the flip of that, and I know England's results are, you know, and people people have been going, oh, what those two warm-up games have been terrible. Like, well, yeah. Have you watched any of the other team? This is what always gets me. Do you want people moan about the England games? They go, oh, God, the qualifiers are boring. The friendlies are even worse. And I was like, have you watched international football outside the tournaments? It's not great. Because it, like any team like England, the France, you know, with Germany or Portugal, when you play against, you know, often in your qualifiers, they are against teams who are just trying not to get beat by three or four. And even the games against, like, you know, say a Czech Republic or something like that. Now, they're, they're not the powers they wear back at Euro 96. You know, they haven't got Jan Collier, they haven't got Poborski, they haven't got Nedved anymore. And most, te- like, you know, 90% of your games, certainly in your qualifiers, are going to be, now qualifying campaigns are much easier now, aren't they? They want more teams yeah. to qualify. They're going to be teams just come and trying not to get beat or trying to get a nil-nil. So all international football outside of major tournaments is, you know, not great. It can be turgid, it can be boring. It's not just an England thing. You think that because you only watch England. But, I think, like, I agree, we've got to look at that group and go, if you were picking a group to get out of for a, you know, a major tournament, you'd fancy, you know, we should beat the Czech Republic and we should beat Scotland on paper. And this Croatia team isn't as good as it was. And we are, like, as much as you don't want to feel big-headed as England, do you? But, like, I look at our team, look at our squad, and go, if we can play as well as we can, then... We're as good as anyone in this tournament. And in terms of like our first 11 on paper, that's easier said than doesn't it? On paper, is as good as anyone's. And it's just as can they can they perform like they did? Because I thought you said we surprised people at 2018. I think we surprised everyone, ourselves, the fans, and other countries as well. So I think it it's there. You know, if we didn't get out the group, it'd be an absolute disaster. But let's, you know, I think there's this is a different England team, isn't it? Now it's a different set of lads. It's a different, it feels like a different setup. I mean, I would love to come on to it, but I suppose we probably should. Um, but Southgate's letter yesterday was just so bang on. In the like, Players' Tribune, yeah. It's just bloody brilliant. And like, I mean, you sometimes love to make like big statements and I won't go, go on about it, but if you if you boo the knee, like give your head a wobble. Like, honestly, give your head a wobble, man. Like, there's no, it, it's not... A play like oh, I'm not going to go into it, but like I like that he brought that out, and because England, in to my memory, has got so many great things about it, so many great memories. I mean, look at how many memories we talk about at the start, and we all come together, we all go on the lash, and I'm so pleased. And I know people have got their own opinions about Southgate, but that we've got that man in charge because some things are probably a bit more important than football. But as a footballer, imagine reading something like that and being like, "God, that's my that's my boss," and like he's. He's just written that. I'm so pleased we're going into a tournament with him. Um, it's kind of a situation you don't want to have to discuss, but since it's here, like, what, what a great bloke to have, like, leading the team. Um, maybe not the best coach in the world, but he's a 
he's a good man to have in charge. I'm proud to have him there, to be honest. I, I was just about to say something similar because I've never been his biggest fan in terms of management, but... I didn't like him when you were 96, to be fair. I didn't like him when you were 96. Well, yeah. I, that was, I was only five at the time, so <laughs> I can't really really remember that. But if but that letter was bang on. And when you like, when I think back to times when I was younger, you can picture yourself exactly where you were at what game in a major tournament. Like I remember being sat on a, a, a hall, like a hall, like a junior hall, like a school hall, on the floor watching England play Argentina in the 2002 World Cup. David Beckham. I still remember the, the I still remember the telly on the on the wheels being rolled out, and yes, it was Beckham, a Beckham penalty. And that's what I mean. It's sort of you could, you could, me and you could actually sit here now and think back to a game in a major tournament that England's been in. You can picture to exactly where you were and who you were with. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to do that to look back in so many years at that amount of time back and picture exactly where you were. So he was bang on. I think he's a really good blow. I'm not. I'm not too keen on his management with the. Two defensive midfielders he likes to play, but as a bloke, he's absolutely smashing. He's absolutely nailed this with that letter. It's probably got quite a lot to do, hasn't it, Matt, with um, Southgate as a man, why I think the squad have performed recently um, over the past few years a lot better and it's felt more cohesive. We we said before about the red tops and the, the England scandal. Uh, that didn't really happen in 2018. He managed to convince everyone to get behind the team somehow. And and he's kind of doing it again, I think. Um, but I think that speaks to probably how the squad's feeling under him, which is probably a big positive for him going into a major tournament, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I think the thing with being the England manager is it's almost a completely different job to any sort of, of club management in that it don't, not that it doesn't matter what you like as a as a club manager. Obviously, you need to have a decent record. And he did okay at Middlesbrough, didn't he? I don't think he, he managed. You know, I know they ended up being relegated. He had a couple of the, the yeah. crazy UEFA Cup. Um, oh, that was McLaren, wasn't it? it was McLaren, McLaren, I think, he wasn't. Yeah. He, he went into the England like set up, didn't he? Straight after. Yeah, and but that letter and just the one thing that he, you speak to anyone in the game and. You look at Southgate and you just think he looks like a a good man. Do you know what I mean? Like a, a just a good fella, a decent bloke, whose you know opinions on you know because some people wouldn't have. Can you imagine if Allardyce was in charge and the people were booing the knee? He would not have spoke so eloquently and you know, and you you didn't never got the feeling that there was an FA person who's told him to do this to speak about. It. Do you know what I mean? It was you never got that feeling that he's been pushed to say this and it's not what he truly believes it was him speaking from the heart it was the same as do you remember when we had that Bulgaria qualifier before uh, I think it was was it in the qualifiers for this I think wasn't it it was part of the Euro 2020 qualifiers and there was the horrible racist abuse we beat them like 6-0 at Stale and Rashford were getting booed and straight after that game he did a very similar interview which again he's clearly not been pushed by anyone this was him speaking from the heart eloquently you know diligently perfectly encapsulate what we all thought he was like it was, it's a disgrace um but at the same time you know it, it's about edu- it, he always spoke and he spoke the same about the boo and the knees it's about educating people and about going this is not you know let's not become divided a week before a tournament and we might disagree with some of his you know how he sets up like Connor said they you know do we need to hold the midfielders against Scotland at Wembley um, he probably feels that offsets the, the front four, doesn't he, and stuff like that. But as a man, you know, I, I don't think we can complain. It's what we need as an England manager, someone who you can go, you know, 
he's just a good guy. It's almost again without getting too political, you you need someone like that in charge, don't you? And like so I feel, balanced, so yeah, balanced I feel like in what he we, wrote. We don't have that in charge with Johnson and the, the Tory party and a bunch of just sicker fans. To have him saying something like that really matters. And I just hope as many people as possible can it can reach as many people as possible. It should be printed in newspapers, to be honest. It should be some sort of, I don't know if the, you know, the papers are never going to agree to do that, but could they not print that out as, you know, in a two-page spread or something in every newspaper and give it to people? Because it, it needs to be seen, doesn't it? That Because we need to come together right now. And hopefully this tournament can, you know, bring the nation back together, so to speak. We could do. We've been together, I think, Scotland and England after the last 15 months. Yeah. To be honest, the, the last thing we need is to, to feel further apart. And, and, and that's kind of like the long and short of it, I guess. But um, in, in terms of England performance-wise, uh, Connor, we, we come into the tournament on the back of six wins in a row, six in a row, um, which we always enjoy seeing. Scoring 15 and only conceding one. It's like Sunderland playing Newcastle all over again. Um, but the last two, I think Matt touched on it before, they felt a little lukewarm. Uh, but but how much do you think you can base like warm-up games on a major tournament? I don't think you can because the warm-up games are obviously just a platform to try new things, try partnerships together. And that's all it is, really. So if you're going to go off a record, a record's obviously fantastic. So if you're going to base what our future performance in this tournament on that, then you would say we, we should smash it. But I don't think we will. We'll, um, I think we'll grind out results where we need to be and then hopefully we're going to go on to win it. If Well, that's a big if. <sighs> on paper, there's no reason we, we can't match other teams, but it's your, like Matt said before, you, you worry about being the arrogant Englishman, but like it does feel like... Yeah, no, it does. I think this this feels like the best squad we've had <clears throat> in a long time mm-hmm. since the days of when we where we used to say Gerald and Lampard should play together. Um, I think this we obviously hit a massive reset button when we had a really bad tournament, and we've obviously kind of pushed the youth through over the years, and it's starting to come to light now. These players are starting to peak and getting to the best they probably He's- will ever play. You do have to wonder why he uh, didn't pick Charlie White, though, to be fair. Um, that's that's a fair... I mean, 31 goals is... Well, but, but that's up to him. That That's that, that's his one negative. Um, Matt, Croatia, on the other hand, have been... Uh, I was trying to think of the best word for this, and I've used the word eccentric. I don't know if that's the right word, but eccentric in form. Um, they only actually lost 1-0 to Belgium, which is actually not bad. Belgium are my tournament favourite, to be completely yeah. honest. But then they drew it home to Andorra in a warm-up game. But we've kind of said, can you judge warm-up games? I don't know. But Andorra are pretty bad. I think they're the second lowest rated team in the whole world. Um, they lost to Slovenia in March and they only beat Cyprus 1-0. And that was in qualifying games. Um can you read much into those results of Croatia, or do you think like Croatia, like the definitive tournament team, where those results actually won't matter because they know how to perform on a bigger stage? That's a good point. They always seem to come alive at tournaments, don't they? But in the same way, they never seem to dominate at a tournament in the group stage. They always seem to like. It's always they just always seem to just get the job done. Just always. Like just such a professional side. I do think to reiterate the point from earlier that they're at the end of their cycle as a you know, all their best players are 
this probably be the last tournament. If not, yeah. you know, they've probably got the next World Cup in and maybe a couple of them. Modric will be 38 at the next tournament. Yeah, probably. Is, is he already 36, is he? He's approaching 36, I think. So I think he'll be approaching 38, so I think he's 35. So he, he doesn't play like it, does he? But, you know, no. that probably is too old, isn't it? Whereas you look at our squad and it is, I don't know what the average age, it'd be interesting to see actually what the average age of the squad is. Because I think ours has got to be one of the youngest, maybe. In, certainly in terms of, of key players that starters, certainly. I think Hendo's probably the oldest. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't it? Or Kane, maybe? Is Henderson like 30 or 29? Henderson's 30, 31, and I think Harry Kane's 27. Harry Kane's oh, so 27. Young, so it probably is Henderson, yeah. It, prime. It's, yeah, real, like absolute prime. So I think with Croatia, you've always just got that worry that, that you know, they've they've had our number in the past. And a bit like, do you remember that time Portugal knocked us out, like, you know, two tournaments on the run and... Yeah, and you just and then Uruguay suddenly became you know you just you have this concern, don't you? The is it going to be them? But I think we saw it like in the last time. I know that Croatia ended up beating us in the semi final, but I don't think any of us expected to get to that semi final. And it was the, for the first time since like Italian in Euro '96, the England team came home and they were you know, heroes. The first time they've returned from a tournament. Normally, it's like. Right, we can't let anyone know what airport they're arriving back at because they'll get killed. Like in the Euro sixteen, like David yeah. Beckham eulogies and stuff like that. Jesus, effigy at West Ham. <laughs> so I think we should be wary of Croatia and we should be wary of Scotland as well. I don't know if you saw. I thought you played really well in that Holland, and we just said, and I'm going back on the point that you can't trust anything that happens in a warm up game. But I thought there was some fo- some of the football the Scots played in that the Holland well, game. A good side. Yeah, like the they again, you, you talk about like the, the pressure getting to England and stuff. That's what it's been like for 22 years. I was made up when they qualified. I, I really was made up. And my brothers lived up in Scotland for 15 years. And I've always been a fan of, you know, I know everyone hates England, certainly the home nations, but I've always my dream has always been all five you know and you know you can get contentious i'm including the republic in this all five you know british nations qualifying for a tournament and the closest we got was uh euro uh, Euro 2016 wasn't it where scotland were the only ones that didn't make it yeah and even they there was you know you had to win i think you went and lost to was it slovenia in the final game they got beat 3-2 yeah, Whereas if they'd won that, like that, they would have gotten to a playoff. I, I just, I would love all of them to be at a tournament because I just think, you know, one thing we all do: the Welsh, the Irish, the Northern Irish, the English, the Scots. We like a drink, don't we? At a tournament, we like we like a few, a few lager tops. So you I think make TV shows about it. I mean, last night I watched <laughs> an England U ninety six one, a Wales two thousand sixteen one, and then I watched a documentary this morning on Scotland qualifying for it, and it's all like. We all remember those like moments as, as nations and we were like the summer of 96, the summer of 2018 and Wales have the summer of 2016. Um, they've all got like, I mean, uh, World Cup 92, Korea, obviously Ireland have, Republic of Ireland have that as well. Yeah. Um, when they got to the quarters and got beat off Spain, which is no great shame. Obviously, I remember we had a few players, Quinny, Kevin Kilban. Well, Kevin Kilban, a player was a bit of a loose, loose term, no offence, Kevin, but um, <laughs> we had players in that squad that, you know, we watch them and we want them to do well because of Quinny and stuff like that. And it felt it felt good having, it does feel good having more tournaments in it. And obviously I'm delighted Scotland are there as well, as long as they don't perform on the 18th, please. Yeah. I mean, can you Hate imagine on that it? day? Yeah. Oh, scum. 
Scottish scum. <laughs> if we don't do him on that day, rebuild Hadrian's Wall. That's all we can do. Well, here's one, here's one for you. I saw a few tweets this morning saying how many of these countries are treating this tournament as a, as a warm-up tournament for the World Cup next year. You would like to think none, but is, do you, would you think there's a couple? Spain, Germany. Just looking at Spain's squad, I would agree, personally. There's no Sergio Ramos there, I mean... And they've but one of the, the lad that they brought in to replace him, Lorente from Leeds, he's just got COVID. That's Is gonna what? be that's gonna be like whack a mole mind, isn't it? With players getting COVID right, left, and center. It's gonna be like just whacking different players out. I mean, there there's a thing. Mbappe getting COVID before the last 16 as <laughs> you play against England. He gives it a Griezmann, and all of a sudden, COVID's well, I was gonna say it's not a bad thing, of course it is, but um that's gonna be put into there as well. You you never know which players you might lose. Scotland have had a case. Uh, Spain have had a case. Germany had Tony Cruz has had a case. Um, you hope it doesn't because obviously the safety of the players, but you, you never know where that might affect the tournament as well. It's mad, could isn't be. it? Yeah, it could be. It's, it's something I've never really thought about because I'm trying to get it out of my mind because I hate yeah. it. But it's it's gonna it's gonna play. It's basically COVID might be the new England metatarsal injury of the uh, <laughs> the early two thousands. Last but not least, obviously, it's something we always do in preview shows, and I'm, I'd see no reason for changing it, but with a slight difference. And I'll, I'll come to you first, Connor, because we've touched on it already this morning, and we've had a, a good bit of debate via Twitter message. Um, what's your starting 11 for uh, the game against Croatia? One mute again. <laughs> Love it. See, I've done, know how on Zoom you can hold the space bar to talk. Then when you let go of the space bar, it mutes you. I'm trialing this today. You're saying it's really not going well. I, I, to be fair, I didn't know that. So every day's a every day's a school day. Well, I only found out the other day. But anyway, my starting eleven. What I think Southgate will go for is Pickford in goal. Uh, left back will be Ben Chilwell. Right back will be. Who did I say again? James, Kyle Walker. I will want. I, I will want Rich James, but I think he'll go for Kyle Walker. Centre-back, John Stones and Maguire, which is the obvious pairing. Centre-midfield, I think you'll go for Henderson and Mason Mount. Uh, the attacking four is just picks itself, really, for me, which is Sterling, Rashford, Foden and Harry Kane. Oh, you'd leave Grealish out? I think Southgate will leave Grealish out, yeah. I okay. don't want them left out, but I think Southgate would. Could potentially move Rhys James or Kyle Walker into centre-half and then... That's also an option, but I don't know whether that's, called, that's do. called doing the Sunland. Yeah, it's a bit Lugo nine in it, a bit Lugo nine at centre half. Who's also a centre midfielder and a right back and a right winger and a right wing back and an attacking midfielder and a nice bloke, <laughs> overall nice top bloke, nice fella. I, th- I think I would probably go with James centre half to be honest. Um, if Maguire's not fit, because for, for me though, I think he will be fit. Um, my team would be Pickford in goal um, every single day of the week. Uh, I'd have Reese James at right back. Sorry, Kyle. Chilwell, Maguire, Stones. I'd play Henderson if he's fully fit alongside Declan Rice in a defensive two. I know that'll be controversial. Then I'd have Grealish on your left, Forden on your right, Mason Mount in your 10, Harry Kane up top. Um but again, I'm going to say if, if you know Sterling's in there instead of Foden, I'm not going to be like, oh, what's he doing? Oh my god! 
Dick Stillman's pretty good. He's he's not bad com- in comparison to what I watch every week. Um, That's Matt, what I mean. It's, yeah. it's the death, the death that will have is ridiculous, especially in the final third of the pitch. Superb. It's probably only def- centre half is probably where we're weakest. Yeah. Truth be told. Um, that aside, yeah. I think we're strong all over the pitch. But Matt, what's your team with or without Harry Maguire? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in everyone's team, isn't he? If he's fit, and I've yeah. got a feeling, I've got a feeling he will play. So do I. I know. He, I know. He, I think the reason he's not played in these warm-up games is probably a case of well, there's no point, was there? There really wasn't any point. It was about getting minutes for other people and, and fringe players, and you know, basically keeping our first eleven. It's fit hysteria and safe. if he gets injured, isn't it? And it's oh, fingers like, pointing at Southgate and all that stuff. That goes like, what, you can't win, can you? It'd be like. Why aren't you? Why these games are rubbish because you're playing the fringe players. But then if Kane gets injured and he's he played a few, didn't he? Or someone gets injured, then you, why has he played? It's one of them. I think Pickford will start, and I do like Dean Henderson, and I like um, I like all the goalkeepers to be honest. They, they've all got yeah. different strengths, but I think Pickford's it's his to lose, isn't it? I would pick I would pick Reese James right back. I would pick Maguire, Stones, um, Chilwell or Shaw. Uh, it's you know, like Connor said, there. There's so much. There's basically two players, and other than centre half, I'd say there's almost world class players. Or certainly, you know, top top players in every position. So it's much of a muchness. I do like Luke Shaw, but Chilwell or Shaw, midfield, Declan Rice definitely in the two. And I think if Henderson is fit, yeah, because I think they make a really good two. The front four, I would be saying. Kane up front and then the three behind for me I would have Foden Grealish and I think I'd have Rashford just for pace but then I love Sancho I even love Bellingham I'm a big fan of Bellingham but yeah. where again where does he play Is he does he prefer to play in that sitting role do you play him instead of Henderson do you play him in a forward role but then yeah, do you take Foden or Grealish out for Bellingham I think he is more of a Slightly deeper player, isn't he? Um, but it's, it's just bonkers. I think that the main thing you say is, if, is Maguire fit? That because that changes how you'd line up at the back. And who is that front front three basically behind Kane? They're the two main questions, aren't they? And it's it's going to be interesting to see what he does because he does he does have his favourites. And the thing is, he has his favourites based on players who've never let him down. It's not like you know sometimes managers have favourites and you go. He picks him regardless. No, he's picked Sterling because Sterling's goal record and assist record at England level with Kane especially is outstanding. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be um, come two o'clock on, on Sunday. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. See, we haven't even met, we haven't even mentioned the wild cards. I'm just saying wild cards in the loosest term. But you also got to think that we've got Kieran Trippier there. We've got yeah. Saka. These are players we haven't even mentioned yet. You've just mentioned Jude Bellingham. We've got Tyrone Mings, Connor Cody. So we have got a lot of depth there. And I'm not going to say they're bad players, but you you don't you wouldn't think they're going to be first on the in on the pitch or second. Our fourth choice centre half, and I'm going to use Scotland as an example, not because it's the first country that comes into my mind, but they were in our group and were a team that we're potentially concerned about. Our third or fourth choice centre backs would probably be. Scotland's first choice. Yeah. That's yeah fair. And that. that's no that's no detriment to, to Scotland's defenders. Liam Cooper's had a great season. I've had Declan Gallagher on the show. Love the bloke. Um but but I think 
you're talking Tyron Mings worth 80 million when he was like 19 years old. And you've got like Connor Cody, who's like the captain of one of the the better, more progressive sides. I know obviously that season was perfect, but I think we can go down to reasons for that, but it's not a Wolves podcast, I guess. Uh, for any Wolves fans listening, sorry. But the big one for me, this is controversial before we go into predictions and, and, and we all go on our merry ways and get ready for the tournament. But um, I would have played Jesse Lingard, not just in the squad, in the starting eleven. I think I'll agree with that. When Trent Alexander-Arnold um, was him. out the squad, when uh, when Trent was out the squad, I said Lingard should be in. I Came James Ward-Prowse, but no, I did as well. I'll, I'll agree with that one. Like well, his form, like his his form over like since he went to West Ham, I think like his his goals and assists wasn't he? If not the top in the Prem, he was in the top five, wasn't he by a mile? And a he smile was a, on his face again. Yeah, he, he's essentially he carried part. West Ham. He's essentially carried West Ham to Europe. Yeah, yeah, because they they faltered in games, but there was times when you were just like, "Oh, where's he got that extra yard of pace from?" He's dancing, he's smiling, he's got like loads of dread. And I know for some weird reason, him being happy wound people up at some point. Oh, I mean, I can probably guess why. Um, yeah. But like, I love it, me. I think it's great. I love a bit of dancing and like being happy in the in the changing room, like. And obviously, I think it's well documented that he had a year where he had to look after his siblings because, like, I think his mum was in well or something like that. Yeah, that's obviously right. a good bloke. And I mean, anyone who's friends with Marcus Rashford, you kind of really—I'm not going to criticise that. He's the best bloke on the planet, any Marcus Rashford. So, um, but before I let you go, predictions—I'll I'll go first. I always get them wrong, so I'll just get out of the way. Two uh, 0 England. Uh, I fancy Jack Grealish and Harry Kane from the penalty spot. Connor, I'm going to say two-one win. We're going to grind it out. And score it's going to be 1 1, and we're going to score in the last 10 minutes. Going to bump and grind it out. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, I think it'll be 2 1 as well. I'd, 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 I'd love to be, you know, have a nice, relaxing last couple of minutes, but I just don't see it. Like, we, it's not how we do things, is it? It'll be, you know, we'll be finger, biting the fingernails in, in injury time, but I, I do think we'll get the results. We don't start tournaments well, notoriously. We always get like a 1-1 one, one, Switzerland, you're 96, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> like, and remember the Tunisia game? 90th minute, wasn't it? Yeah. We battered them. Remember the first half? We battered them as well. We just couldn't get that second goal. A win would set us up very nicely. A draw wouldn't be a disaster. A defeat, we can still qualify. So that's the plus point, is that any result... They've made it very difficult for... Was not like they've made the Euros, haven't they? With the new qualification, and even does the third place team get through? Like the in this best, best third placed, yeah. So they've, they've made it very difficult for the big sides to um to flap it, haven't they? So yeah, if we don't get out of this group, then Jesus Christ, then you know what's the point? What would if we don't make it out of this? That's it. Just end, end it, end football. If we don't get out of this group, I'm deleting this entire podcast and any oh, yeah. of the preview shows I've done where I said we're probably likely to win it and we've got such an abundance of riches. The funny thing is, and I'll leave you with this, I heard yesterday and I can't remember who told me it. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were they were watching Euro 96 and they, they were really young. I think they were five, so a couple of years younger than me. And they said they were, when we got beat off Germany on penalties, they didn't think England had got kicked out of Euro 96. They thought that England had been kicked out of football, which <laughs> for me is the best concept you can have for like a, a next World, a World Cup or European Championship. If you get knocked out, that's it. You're out of football forever until... You've been, you've been barred. 
Yeah. Who wrote that? Who, who wrote that? Who wrote Henry VIII? <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be great, wouldn't it? Um, but thanks very much for joining us. I'm sure the listeners will be pleased to hear um, Matt back. As always, Matt, you've been great crack. I don't mind blowing smoke up your ass. Brilliant on the podcast. Love having you on. That's I'm sure you'll come back. Um, Connor, always nice to have you on, mate. Always nice to see you doing well. Nice to see we Max home as well. Um because you look like you're just having a bundle of, a bundle of fun, mate. So that's class. But to the I, people... I am tired though. You know, I see the bags under my eyes. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything, mate, but there you go. Um but as as for everyone, you know, I I, I forgot I forget to say this because I honestly I'm not that bothered because I don't do it for subscriptions. But if you do enjoy it, uh, do subscribe. I think we've just got over eight hundred or whatever on YouTube. So that's that's kind of good. That means you don't mind listening to what I'm saying. And Matt's sure to bring in a few subscribers. Everyone loves Matt, everyone loves Connor, some people like me. Uh, what's, our, what's our cut of the empire we get? Because I know you're raking in the cash, aren't you, from your YouTube subs? Uh, you're basically an, basically an influencer with 800. 800, with, yeah. 800 subs on YouTube. Don't know how I'm influencing, mate. But I'm, I'm who's, sponsoring the, who's sponsoring the pod? Because surely you're getting the sponsored content now, aren't you? Viper goalkeeping. That's not a bad sponsor. Do, you know do you know what keeps coming up on pod, on like stuff I watch on YouTube? They're all sponsored by Manscaped. I got an email off them this morning. <laughs> Are you joking? Like, I'm not even joking. I got an email <laughs> off them this morning. If this was a video pod, I'd show that the, the email I got one this morning. But I said, no, thanks. Fiber Goalkeeping is my friend and he will remain. Um, he will remain the sponsor. But, um, but yeah, if you want us to get big sponsors, you know, like um, Puma or something. Puma or VPN. Cool. They're all, all sponsored yeah. by VPNs, aren't they? Express VPN. Just something decent that'll make us have lots of money. Feel free yeah. to subscribe. That I've, suddenly I care about subscriptions, so thanks oh, very like, much. I'm sure you're the same as me. Like My morals would go out the window if the Republic of Saudi Arabia wanted to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> or Qatar. You know, I don't care. Like Get your cash out. If the cash number's right, my morals go straight out the window. Sounding like a Newcastle fan now. <laughs> <laughs> get them in. Get them in. It's a, it's a government conspiracy against Newcastle, isn't it? 